0: Welcome, 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 everybody. It's good to see you guys. Good to see new faces, old faces, returning faces. Good to see everybody here today. Welcome to our Sunday service. Um, If you guys do not know, my name is Tony. I am one of the pastors here at TLC, and uh, I'll be sharing with you the message that we have today. Uh, It's good to see you you guys. Um, It's 2024, so we start this year as we start almost every year at our church. Uh, by laying kind of the fundamentals of just what it means to walk as a believer of Jesus Christ, what, we, what, what our church is about, and what really the Christian life is about. And so every year we, we kind of go back because I like, I like foundation, I like review, I like, I like to make sure we understand the basics, right? And, and the basics of our church and of our faith is pretty simple phrase, it's to love God, it's to love people, serve the world, okay? And the implications of that comes out in terms of evangelism, the way you live okay that, that's pretty much what's been and so beginning of this year i talked about loving god what that looks like pastor kevin gave us a message about who is your neighbor who are you supposed to love your people right uh last week pastor paul gave a great message on um, on serving what does it mean to serve like that jesus christ could not be mocked you know because he was mocked on the cross so you can't he can't be made any lower he came to serve and so in the same way we are to serve like him and so and we're, we're going to culminate all this into our retreat that's coming up in February if you have not signed up yet uh I encourage you to sign up I, I know the price went up okay uh, I think if you uh if you, if you kind of rub shoulders with Jason and you know, give him a little love he might he might no he won't but he won't <laughs> but uh but uh, uh the it's still a lot of open so we want you guys to come out because this retreat is it's really kind of lock in this this whole process for us and I'm going to let you guys see what's going to be happening for the rest of 2024 so I uh, look forward to that, but uh, today's message, what I'm going to be sharing with you guys about is kind of a continuation, so loving God, loving people, serving the world, so if that's the, if that's what we're supposed to be doing, right, we, we could be doing those things, but the question is how am I supposed to be living, how is my being, who am I during this time, during this life, during this season, what, a, as a believer, what is my character, my reputation, what am I supposed to be, um, act like and be like in this time, right, and so I want to I want to start the message off by um, a uh, an illustration. I've used it before, but it, it works because it deals with money, and you guys all are very focused on that right now. So we'll focus on that. Let's say I gave you guys a uh, let's say there's two. There's person A, person B, both have the exact same job, scooping manure. Okay, manure. You are you are working, and your job is to scoop manure all day, all night. Okay, and you're working eight nine to five, typical work hour. Person A gets the job, but gets paid. Promise paid $40,000 a year, which is basically a minimum, okay? Uh, <laughs> no benefits, just $40,000, okay? Scooping A, every day is coming in, scooping manure. Person B, however, gets the job, but, but is promised that at the end of the year, there will be in their bank $10 million, right? Now, knowing what will happen has a huge impact on how you will act at that moment. Wouldn't it? Okay. Person A, working for the minimum wage for about 40,000, they're going to come. They're going to complain. I hate this job. I need to find my way out of here. What am I doing with my life? You know, I went to, you know, music school. I don't know. I'm in, what am I doing, right? What am I doing scooping this my whole life? And just complaining and just messed up, angry at just world and life. Person B, scooping manure, but they're like, Bro. In 364 days, I'm going to be a millionaire, right? And, you know, the way they live, this is not so bad. Man, manure, how bad can it be, right? It doesn't even smell that bad anymore. Now I can wake up in the morning and go to work. No matter how difficult the situation is, I can endure. Because what you understand about the future really helps you dictate how you live today, how you are today, your state of being, your mentality, the way you act the way you live, the way you communicate. What you know about, you, what you believe about the future will have a huge impact on how you are today. Isn't that true? A lot of us, we have a, a belief that, you know, some of you guys are in college, I believe I'm gonna get a career. So in that belief, the way you live now is to work your way up to getting a career, okay? Some of you guys are, I-, I believe I'm gonna get married or have a house, buy a car, and so the way you live in that belief is the way you live now, preparing for that, planning for that, pursuing that. But what I would like to say is that sometimes our, our, our forward thinking is too narrow. Sometimes we don't, we don't really see the bigger picture amidst the, amidst the picture. We don't see the grand scheme of it. And so because of that, we, we, we get caught up in these tiny little schemes that leaves us sometimes... A little bit more anxious because we kind of don't know. We kind of hope. And my hope and my prayer is that today that you would see the big picture. You would see the end all of all. And that, that would drive you with a, with a passion, a heart, to think about the way you live now. The way your mentality, the way you act now. Based upon what you believe will happen in the future. Right? So open your Bibles to 2 Peter chapter 3. We're actually going to start at verse 10. I wrote 14, but we're going to start at verse 10. And you guys can follow along in the QR code as well. My notes are up there. Uh, it will let you know if I'm close to being finished or I'm not, okay? So, so I'll let you know where you guys are at, okay? 2 Peter 3, verse 10. This is a two-part message because, again, I, I realize if I preach the whole thing, we'll be here forever. So I, I divided the two mes- messages. Second Peter chapter three verse ten. This is Peter talking. He's 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 uh, he's he's sharing this with the church, and and he's going to remind them of the big picture, and and once they understand the big picture, the question is, how ought you to be living now? How how should your life be reflected now? Believing that it's going to happen, what would you do now? Second Peter chapter three, verses ten. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire. And the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. And since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live a holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and the speed that's coming. All right, real fast, let me give you this. There's two days that he's talking about here. There's the day of the Lord and the day of God. The day of the Lord is when God returns, right, when God returns and he will right every wrong. Every injustice that we have felt, every slight, every pain, everything that was done wrong in this world, when we look in, into, our, into our culture, into our news, and we rec- recognize how unfair that is, how unjust that is, God comes in the day of the Lord to right every wrong. He comes as the true judge, as the perfect judge. He comes saying, this was how it's always meant to be. And all those who have done wrong, all those who have mistreated, all those who have lived their lives selfishly, all those who have sought to belittle, uh, destroy, and condescend others, things will be made right. God is coming on the day of the Lord where he will come to make all things right. But then believers, citizens of God's country, citizens of God's people, they wait for the day of God. When the life that they have lived, as deep of a struggle as it has been, the ups and the downs, the journey, the work, the heaviness, the burdens, when all of that has been revealed and they realize all of that was not for nothing. The day of God, when they come to the realization that God is here, he has come, and the new heaven, new earth, all is restored. Everything that was broken is made new, and everything that I lost has come back, and everything that I thought was, was meant to be is how it should have been, even more. So there's two days coming, the day of the Lord, ultimate, ultimate righteousness. Day, all will be made right. And day of God, when the people of God and all that they have faced in life will come to the full, full reality this is it, I knew it. All this stuff, all is good. Okay? Verse 12 As you look forward to that day of God and speed its coming, that day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire, and the elements will melt in heat. But in keeping with the promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth. The home of righteousness. So in believing what will happen, how ought you to live now? In knowing that there's a day when all things will be made right. And a day when all things will be made clear. And a day when the true judge is revealed. And a day when all things is good. How ought we to live now? And this is what Peter says. And this is our, the bulk of our message. Verse 14. So then, dear friends. Since you are looking forward to this, this day, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. Spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. Right? Based on what we believe, this is how we ought to live. And this is what Peter is saying. Spotless and blameless. Let me share what that means. Spotless and blameless. When scripture says spotless, it's referring to our character our state of being, who you are, right? Blameless refers to our reputation, how other people see us. So spotless is who we are, what we know about us. Blameless is our reputation, what people see, what we show to people around us. And Peter's saying, on that day, the way you ought to be living as you love God, love people, serve the world, the way you ought to be as citizens of this country, is spotless and blameless. Now, there's a couple varieties that tends to happen here, in the spotless and blameless um, dynamic. Some of us could be spotless but not blameless. Right? Spotless, meaning our character is set. We're saved. God has made us new. We identify with Him. We're with the Lord Jesus. But we're not blameless. Because we had a past. We had a reputation. We, were, we, had, a, we, we had a bad uh, reputation with, with the ladies. We had a bad reputation with people. We had a bad reputation with the way we did things. And so now that we are spotless, that we are free in Christ, but we still have our reputation is still in jeopardy because we have not actually reconciled. And people still remember our reputation. You know what I'm talking about, right? There are people in our church who are spotless, saved by the Lord God, but we know their reputation as what? Always late. Right? You know what I'm talking about? So What time they it going to come? 5 o'clock? Okay, this plan for 5.30. Right? But they, no, 5.30, trust me. Right? They're going to call at 4.55 saying I'm running late. Right? Why, why can't people read you that way? Because you might be spotless. The Lord has saved your soul, but your reputation is not blameless. Right? That's just a funny example. Right? You might be spotless, but you could still be petty. You can have a reputation for being petty, envious, jealous, gossipy. Instead of reconciling that and actually working on that and, and dealing with that, going back, you know, sometimes there was, a, there was an incident in our past as a church, right? We hired deacons. We, we brought in deacons, and a lot of people are like, hmm, I'm not so sure about the people who, who knew them in the past. I'm not so sure about them. Their reputation, right? They're spotless, but I don't know. we got to reconcile, right? You haven't really reconciled with that. You haven't really, really changed and grow and develop. Seek. So you can be spotless, but you can't be blameless. Not, not blameless. Another dynamic for spotless and blameless is that you're blameless, but you're not spotless. You're blameless. When people look at you, man... Love that person. Great reputation, right? Great citizen, great great uh, uh, person in the church. But they don't know the real you. You're not blameless. Or you, you're not spotless. You have a good outside reputation, but your character's not spotless. They don't know the real you. They don't know what you do behind closed doors. They don't know the secrets that you hold. They don't know the, the things that you keep to yourself. And you know it because there's a hypocrisy in your life and you, and, and you recognize it. So the more praise they give to you, the more you feel a little bit like, oh, man, if you only know the real me. You can be blameless but not spotless. Or another dynamic of spotless and blameless is this. You can be spotless and blameless, which means your character and your reputation is untarnished. By the grace of God, you've worked on your character. And by the grace of God, you've reconciled wrongs, developed a kind, trustworthy reputation, among others. This is what Peter was trying to emphasize here. This is something that we have to kind of wrestle with our own hearts. If if we know that this is going to happen, if if we believe this to be true, the day of God is coming where we will stand with him in eternal glory, eternal purity, when we'll stand when all is made right. If that is what we believe will happen, then how ought we to live? Peter says spotless, and blameless. Does that mean that we're to be perfect? Of course not, right? Because the moment we think that we can somehow be spotless, perfectly spotless, perfectly blameless, it's a foolish errand. What Peter is saying here is this. It it means the the big picture is that you have to deal continuously with the very things that are affecting your character and affecting your reputation. You got to deal with the very things that leave a blemish on it. And we call that in the church sin. You got to wrestle and wage war against those things. That's what Peter is saying. If this is what we're going to happen, we're not supposed to kind of just accept it as it is. Because some of us, we can discern your sin, right? Some of you can say, yeah, I know, this is, I know that what I'm doing here is probably not what God would consider to be good for the flourishing of my life and the freedom of my soul. I know that. I can discern it, but here's the thing. I don't detest it. You guys know what I'm talking about? I discern that it might not be what is conducive to kingdom life, but I don't detest it. And Peter is saying, no, 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 no. Spotless and blameless, it means that you are fighting it. You are contesting it. You are are confessing it. You are waging war against it. Think about this. In a relationship, if you guys have boyfriend, girlfriends, if you're married or whatever, right, let me ask you a question. Would you, would you continuously do what offends your significant others? Some of like, yeah, just to make them mad, right? <laughs> would you, but think about it. If, if something you did, like, for, I'll give you an example. Like, like, back in the days, okay, actually, when they when first opened up, those $10 massage places, those foot massages that came out, was when they first opened up, it was $10. And I was like, oh, I've never had this before. One of the guys in my church told us this call. I said, like, all right, cool, I went. I enjoyed it. It was like, pretty nice. I like foot massages. It, was, it felt pretty good. And then for some reason, Trisha says, I don't feel right about, like, having a girl touch you. And guess what happened? From that day, I hated massages. I don't even know why. Like, in my head, I just, I don't like it when I get, like, massages anymore. Like, Trisha, even though Trisha would be like, why do you got got gold extreme like that, honey? I was like, you know, like, something when you said it, the way you said it at that first part, it just kind of, like, left something in my mind, like, just, just, it's better not to, right? And not, not only do I discern that it's not the right thing, I'm just going to just hate the idea of it, right? And so you, you will never find me, you know, within 10 feet of it, okay? It's one thing to discern that God says, you know what? According to how I want for you to flourish, according to how I want for our relationship to grow, according to how I believe, how I know what will cause you to have freedom, right? I need you to move away from that, to fight against that. Isn't that true, right? For a lot of us, we struggle with pornography. We're spot, we're, we're, we're blameless, but we're not spotless. So if they only knew, they only knew. And so what happens? We keep ourselves hidden, right? We keep ourselves excluded. So are we really free? Have you really, do you really believe you're free? No, because everything you do you still have that thing lingering in the back of your mind. Envy or jealousy, for those of us who struggle with envy or jealousy, right? Envy is one of the scariest things because envy, no one actually wants to, to confess that they're envious, right? Because it hits the pride. Like, I'm, I'm envy of this person's success. I'm envy that they got something that I couldn't, that I couldn't get. I, I envy the fact that they, they got what I wish I wanted. And, and, and scrolling in the social media does not help that. It actually just feeds into that even more. And so no wonder, no wonder that there's a, there's a hiddenness about us. No wonder that there's this, 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 this um, um, hypocrisy in the midst of us. No wonder we, we, we find ourselves constantly kind of wrestling with that. And so what Peter is saying, he's saying, if we believe that this future is true, Christ is coming. All will be made right. Injustice will be made right. All the wrongs we have experienced will be made right. And you will live in a time of glory and eternal beauty. Should we not, should we not think about, seek to live away the spotless and blameless? It means that be faithful to the means of grace. Right? What are the means that in which we receive this grace to continue to fight our sins? It's the word of God as we begin to learn it, to know it through prayer, through worship. It's the means of grace in which we are, the, the, our sins is revealed. The things that we keep hidden, we think that God is not kind of like He's alright. He should be okay with it, sleeping around that should be alright, right? Cheating, lying that should be okay. That's not bad. Doesn't hurt anybody. It's just me. I know, I know the pushback. Here's the pushback. Here's the pushback. I get it. I get it. The pushback for Christianity is this. See, this is what I'm talking about, PT. Your Christianity, the way you read your Bible, all it wants to do is just constrain me. Right? All it wants to do is just kind of bind me down so that I feel trapped, so I feel like I'm, I'm in this religious bubble that I can't move, I can't breathe, that I feel like I, I can't express my, my um, unlived reality, my unlived my unlived potential. Your, your, your Christianity is, is creating these boundaries to me. And, and, and our culture exemplifies that. Our culture breathes into that, 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 that aching and that longing. It's like, I, I want to just be able to do what I want and to be truly free. So our culture says to be free is to be free of all constraints. To be free of all ability to be held down. But can I tell you something? I think, I think they missed something. We're always bound to something. You're always constrained by something. True freedom, for example, to liberate yourself in music, right, to be free to play, you must be constrained to what? To practice. You must be constrained to the, to the, to the regimen of practice so that when you play, you play with true freedom, right? True freedom is not the absence of constraint, but rather the choice of which liberating constraint to put yourself under. I didn't write that. Tim Keller did. So it sounded pretty good. It's from him. Okay, Tim <laughs> Keller wrote that. right? <laughs> to liberate yourself. It's right, not to be free from constraint. But to put yourself under the right constraint. In the same way for our soul. When we, when we are dealing with our sin. As we move towards spotless and blameless. Tr- true freedom of our deep inner being the way we were made to be. See, God has made us spotless and blameless. From the very beginning in the garden, he made us spotless and blameless. Our character, our reputation, it is our allowing for sin to actually enter that, that has dismantled and broken that picture. And so what he's doing is these constraints on sexualities, these constraints on the way we think about life, the way we think about people, these constraints is not to bind us, it actually is to do what? To ultimately make us truer, truly free. Truly free. That's what our souls have longed for. And so I'll talk about this next week, but there's a whole group of, there's this movement called progressive Christianity that comes in, that has been kind of espousing the idea that we're reading the Bible wrong, where we're, we're experiencing God not the way he wants us to experience. Well, what, what progressive Christians, what, if, you, if you ever watch one long enough, progressive Christianity is just a doorway out of, science, out, out of Christianity. It's just a doorway to get out of it. I'll explain the whole picture of that later. But the, the, the main idea is this, is to use Jesus, is to use the Bible as a tool. As a tool. With the Christian words and the Christianese to ultimately to live the way I want to live, right? And every time we use the Bible to live the way we want to live, we have bigger problems. the The Bible has never flowed with culture. The Bible has always been against culture. And so the moment you believe that the Bible is speaking into your culture, that the way that our culture is already speaking, that we should be doing that, it's probably there's some brokenness behind that. So what's the first thing? The first thing is this. If we believe this to be true... A day is coming when when the truth is revealed. Jesus Christ shows up. The work is not going to matter. Your career is not going to matter. How much you have in your bank account is not going to matter. All in the end, what matters is that Christ is alive and he's real. And so we, we live our lives with our jobs and our career. We don't live it for those things. Those things are just mere steps. Into our greater growth. When God meets with you, he's not going to say, wow, a million bucks in your account. Good job. He's going to ask you the question, did you live according to how I called you to live? Were you spotless and blameless for that? Were you spotless and blameless as you perform your, your, your career as a doctor, lawyer, engineer, teacher? Were you spotless and blameless as you raise that money for, for, for my the ability in which I gave you to raise that money? Were you spotless and blameless in the way you love, connected, and dealt with relationship? Were you spotless and blameless when you dealt with, 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 with relationship between husband and wife or boyfriend and girl? Were you spotless and blameless in that area? Because that, that's what we are called to be. The question is that then this is how we ought to be living. That's the second thing. We want to we find ourselves in a place where we are dealing with our sins, contesting with it, fighting it. Some of us have stopped fighting. Some of us have kind of just dealt with, kind of just, eh, it is what it is, right? We kind of just let it be. I, I can't beat it, PT. It's just impossible. I can't get out of it. Who says? How, how hard have you battled? How much war have you went to it for it? You haven't done to the part of, Bleeding or dying, shedding your blood, the Bible says. Have you? You probably stepped into it? It's like it's like a it's like a person who goes to the gym for the first time and says, Oh, this is too hard, man. Like I can't lift like, you know, this weight. I'm gonna give up. Well, did you really try though? <laughs> or when you go on a diet, oh I can't go on a diet, man. Like I just I just need to I just need to eat. I just, I can't discipline myself that way. But have you really but have you really went to war with it? So the question you have to ask is, are you dealing with your sins? Are you? Second thing, how we ought to be. This is spotless and blameless and with peace. Peace. This peace that scripture talks about, that Peter is talking about, this peace that that, that he's saying here, and at peace with him, it means that, you are enjoying the peace of God, okay? You, would you are, you, you, this, is, this is a personal peace of mind that comes from a certainty and assurance. There's a hope in your life. There's a knowledge of the reality of it. There, there, there's, there's, a, there's a peace that guards you from anxiety, a peace that, 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 that makes us free from worries about the future. Philippians 4, 6-7 says, do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. It means that, isn't it funny that the reason why we're kind of always worried about our future, we live in anxiety, because we really don't know if it's going to happen. We say, I'm hoping that I will have enough for marriage. But we don't really know if we're going to be there. So we're, we're stressing at this moment. We're stressing about whether we're making enough money. We're stressing about whether we have enough job. We're stressing about, you know, all these little things. And we're, we're constantly in anxiety and fear. We're about our careers. Am I really going to get a job after I get out of college? Am I really going to have a, 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 a future here? And so because you don't know, you live in this moment in a constant state of anxiety, stress, worry, questioning, doubt. And, and my thing for you is this, is that if you see the bigger picture... That Peter's painting here, the bigger picture, is that in the end of all, at the end of it all, whether we get the job or we don't get the job, whether we get the perfect spouse or we don't get the perfect spouse, whether our career is great, whether our future is great, whether it's great or it's bad, the end all of all things for the sons and daughters of God is that there's a new heaven and a new earth, that there is glory waiting. How did the Christians of old face so much trials and stay firm in their, in their faith? How were they able to stand firm in the face of death itself? Not because they were just kind of like religious, not because they were zealous, not because they were people who were like, you know, crazy. These people, these, the, the, the martyrs, the ones who, who stood in their faith, they, they realized something. They knew something. And the Christians of old, and even Christians today, understand this. I can face anything because I know what's coming. I can face anything because I am assured and certain of what is promised. I'll give you an example. Uh, I'm not sure if some of you guys know this show, it was back in the days, right? It's called Undercover Boss. Love this show, okay? Undercover Boss, oh, it's a great show, okay? Basically, the boss goes undercover in his company to see how his managers are doing, okay? And no matter which manager... You which 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 version the show takes, whether you you have a great manager or a bad manager, you just feel good. You, can't, you f- there's like this this feeling of vindication that comes out of it. Okay, so so let's say the the one that feels kind of like uh, it's, it's kind of vindictive, but you know you you get excited. People, this is why people it, it was drawn it drew, it drew so many people was when the undercover boss he goes in and he has a bad manager, and his manager is just a jerk. Just just ridiculing his, uh, the employees, making them feel horrible, right? It's talking down to them, thinking he's, the, he's all that and making them feel... That. And, you can wa- and you watch the, on the, the hidden cameras, and you watch all these other employees as, as the manager is going off on them, right? And they're like, just, 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 they, they, they want to quit, but they can't quit because it's their job, there's their livelihood. So they got to stick with this, uh, this horrible manager, constantly being yelled at, being ridiculed. And then you see the undercover boss receives the exact same thing, receives the exact same punishment, receives the exact same, but you know, he's a little poised. He's a little more calm. And you're just like sitting, the whole time you're sitting there, just bro, don't wait till two more days. Just do it right now. Tell him, tell him you're the boss, right? You're sitting there waiting, just, oh, if he knew, if he knew, dude, this is going to be so good, right? And, and you're actually just sitting there, you're waiting. Just do more. Just be more of a jerk. Like the, the, the revelation will just be so much more sweet, Right? When you realize, and the whole time, all the other employees just devastated. But this boss, poised, he's kind of, he takes it in, realizes it. He's like, hmm, I, I have a problem. And you know, they'll do the personal interviews, and you'll be like, I think I have a problem with my hiring process, right? I don't know how a man like this will be hired in my company. You know, stuff like that. And you're like, yeah, I keep talking, right? And then, and then, and then, the day the, re- the reveal, All oh, the boss comes in with his entourage of accountants, and they walk in, and the manager's all like, what? like, why aren't you at your work? And he says, I own this job, right? I own this company. And you see the manager like just melt. It's like, oh, shoot. And then all the employees are like, oh, yes, vindication, right? Yes, you know, and, all, and, 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 and the manager's like, oh, man, I, I, was just trying to, I was just trying to, you know, make productivity better for you. And, and just the whole time that you've been, because when the reveal happens, when the reveal happens, all will be made right. But the boss, the boss, he knew. He knew the whole time. Right? He knew the whole time who he was, and he knew the whole time what was coming. And so he lived that week, that week of his horrible management in poise, in calm, whatever came his way. Right? But flip that. There was, there was episodes where the manager was a great manager. It's a great manager, just tough. The managers just, you know, like they're going through hard times feeding their families, doing their work, doing their best. They're they're not getting, they're making the most of what they have and the the boss looks at the manager and realizes, man, this this person's going through a lot of work. But they're they're, they're staying true to the company. They're they're not not running away, they're not hiding, they're not complaining, They're, 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 they're making the best of it. And when the reveal happens, oh, that manager, you know, gets the promotion, gets the realization, man, that was it. It's in the exact same way the way we have peace as believers is not wishful thinking. We know. We know there will be a day when all is revealed. And so no matter how bad it is, we we stick through it. We climb our way. We make do. We work through the situation, the ups, the downs, the pains, the hurts. We work through this with a peace in our heart knowing there will be a day when the reveal will come. All will be made right and all will be made new. And all that I have Hurt, long pain, or pine for will come to pass. So believers have this poise to them, a peace to them. But it comes from what you live, whether you, based on what you believe will happen. And can, can I tell you this? Our secular world and our religious world don't have an answer for this. They don't have an answer for death in the life now. You know, a secular person is like someone who's agnostic or atheistic, right? Who's kind of just you no know, I don't believe in God or gods whatever, you know, like I, I have a agnostic would be like I have faith, not in something, but I have the I, I have the concept of faith in my life, right? Very very ethereal, okay? But a secular person secular world sees death as what? They don't have an answer to this. It's just it's a circle of life. You know, you watch Lion King and they put nice music in and you're like, yeah, that's yeah, I guess that's how life is. You are, you eat the gazelle, but then you die, and then you become the grass, and the gazelle eats you, and then you eat, and it's part of the circle of life, huh? mm-hmm. Circle of life, right? <laughs> and as and, and so we watch that, and, and the music kind of stirred our hearts, like, oh, yeah, this is what I'm in. Yeah, this is just how it is. That's death. That's life. We just got to deal. Just, just the way it is. But you know what happens, though? Because when we buy into that, we don't, we, we, we actually lie to ourselves. We, 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 we. We, we don't deal with the too deep human intuition about death, about the future. You know what the first one is? It's that death is not natural. Death is not natural. Why do you think there are poems written rage, rage, rage against the dying of the light? No one wants to die. They will do everything they can just to have one more breath. Nobody desires to die. They know, we know deep down there is something wrong about death that it comes and it wipes everything away and, and you're wondering, how can this be? And there's a hurt, there's a pain, there's an emptiness there. And you, and, 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 and you wonder to yourself, why do I love movies about immortality? Why do I love things about heroes? Why do I enjoy things that, that, that talk about love? And, and all? It's because deep down, intuitively, you understand something. I wasn't meant to be this way. It's not meant to be this way. And you know what? You're right. You're right. Because Jesus came to show us that's not how it's supposed to be. Jesus came and and, and he healed the sick. Why? Was it because he wanted to do some magic trick? No. He healed the sick saying, hey, you were never meant to be sick, to be lame, to be blind. This is not how your body was meant to be. You were not meant to be broken. We intuitively understand that, and so when we buy into this, this, this kind of secular world of thinking, circle of life, it's just how it is, it's just what it is, you know it's not true. Or if you're kind of more like religious, we think what? Maybe we just return to this cosmic energy, right? That when you die, you return to a cosmic energy source, you know, like you're, you're a piece of God, you're here to experience the things of this world, and you're going to come back and just be with everyone, there's no personality, no personhood, just cosmic. And it sounds beautiful, it sounds very, but you also lie to We also lie to ourselves. Why? Because the, the only thing that's enjoyable in this world that we have is our relationship to each other, right? The only thing we have that's actually enjoyable is our love for one another. And to say that when we die, that ends, and we end up in this cosmic kind of free for all, mindless, that we don't have an ability to actually care and love. That that takes away the very thing that makes us human. That makes us enjoy what we have. So the secular world, even the religious world, they do not have an answer, and therefore there is no peace. A second, and I t- and, I, and and again, it's it's from experience. So maybe we're just young, so you guys don't think about this. But as I'm going to this in, into the nursing homes, as I'm watching these people die, right? Like these ladies and these old men, do you know how much they fight to live? At the end of their life, they fight for it. Give me the medicine. I don't care. Just let me lay here. Because death is not natural. It's not. And at the last, what is it that they want? Company. Relationship. Someone to come and say hi. Someone to come and say I love you. I remember you. Someone to say that I'm with you. And the secular world says, no, this is it. You just die and everything gets wiped out. The religious world tells us that you just come back to some cosmic energy. Or if you do have heaven, heaven is a consolation prize. And you get there if you do good enough works. Do good. And so you don't even know if it's going to happen. The secular and religious world do not give us enough firm foundation. And this is why I, I... I fully believe that Christianity has a more superior answer to death. I understand that there's, there's answers out there that we have created and we have come to deal with it, but I think there is something beautiful about Christianity, about Jesus Christ that gives us a fuller answer, because in Christianity, death is acknowledged as not natural. Jesus comes and he tells us, "You're not meant to die." We're meant to live. And on top of that, you're not meant to be some sort of cosmic energy. You've co- I have made you individual beings to love, to know, to understand, to grow. When Jesus Christ died and he came back from the dead, he looked at his disciples. He didn't come out as like some sort of blinding light. He's like, hey, guys, look at me. Right? He told the disciples, come on here, touch my hand. Let's grab some breakfast. He said, dude, you just died. I know, it's cool, man, come on. Let's eat. Let's remember. This is how it's going to be. That's why they had the courage. They had the fortitude. They had the strength to live in the midst of the most cruel world and be at peace. Christianity Christianity offers us not just the restoration, not, not just the promise that there is life, but there's a promise of personhood, not just the a consolation for or a, a, a life not lived, but Christianity tells us that the life you've always meant to live is there. You think, you think the greatest joy you've experienced here was, is it? No. This is a, 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 a shadow of what it's always meant to be. You think, you, you think the greatest relationship you have with your spouse, that's the best? No. That is just a shadow of a true relationship, true love that I have in store for you. And, you know, like if you if you, if you here yesterday at um, our baptism, you know, our brother Brandon got baptized. Brandon? Yeah, Brandon got baptized. Eric got baptized. Your brother Eric got baptized, right? And one, one of the things about Brandon's story was really, that I really loved was the fact that he didn't know what to do when his, when, his, when, his, when his friend passed away in high school. I didn't even know that, by the way. That's how good of a pastor I am. I didn't even know, right? I went to his house. My son got his hair cut. I didn't even know during this whole time. But, you know, what do you do? You don't have an answer for that without God. You don't have an answer to to why this is happening. A friend that I grew up with, a friend that I knew, a friend that I love, without God. It's, it's, It's in Jesus that we have the fuller picture. He died, but he didn't stay dead. He came back. And so what was promised to him, he says, what is done for me will be done for you. I've came back. Let me ask you this, this question. If this is true, isn't this the greatest news in the world? Right? If this is true, isn't this the greatest news in the world? That death itself can't even stop me? If this is true, wouldn't the way we live be absolutely mind-blowingly different? If this is true, wouldn't it be the great? And the thing is, it is true. That's why we call it the gospel. It's good news. That's why we proclaim it. That's why what I give to you on this pulpit, in this place, it's hard-won faith. It's not just something I just kind of spew out to you. It's a faith that I fought and won with the Lord. Actually, he fought me and he won me, right? And I have it. And all I'm giving is this, this great news that this is not it. That there's so much more. The way you live today, the way you act today, it is meant to be because of what you believe will happen in the future. So my prayer, my ask for you guys is this. Are you, are you living today with the full assurance of the reality of what is promised in the word? If you ask the question, how do I know? How do I know if I put myself under these constraints that that's actually going to bring me true freedom? How do I know if I put myself under these boundaries? It's actually the boundaries of... of, 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 of um, of truth and word, boundary of command and, and honor. How do I know if I put myself under these constraints and these boundaries, I'm actually going to be truly free? I'm actually going to have true peace in my life. Before I dive in, I want to know some more stuff, man. Like, how, how am I supposed to buy into this? And the only answer I have for you is the greatest news in the world: Jesus Christ is alive. Jesus Christ is alive. That's that's where you gotta wrestle with here. The question you have to ask is, did he die? Did he come back from life? Do the information that we have can attest to this? Does it point to this? And if you say, I don't know, then you haven't done your homework. You have not done your homework. The The evidentiary method of showing whether this happened or not, it's out there. We have so much. Christianity has so much historical, archaeological you name it, more than any and stuff in antiquity to point to this. My question is, have you wrestled with it? Have you dealt with it? Because if it's true, man, if it's true, it will transform everything. And So for those of you guys who are citizens of the kingdom of God, this is my, my ask of you. Would you spend 2024 dealing with our sins? Would you, would you, would you do... The hard work of dealing with it. The ones you keep secret. The one you believe that no one knows. The one that maybe you are spotless but you're not blameless about. The one that you are blameless but you're not spotless about. Can we do the the hard work of dealing with it? Going to war with it? Knowing it. And being free from it. And for those of you guys who are struggling, 2024 starts, it's a big year, lots lots of bad stories, lots of hurts, lots of pain going on, right? Do you have the peace that whether you have been stabbed in the back by a friend, whether you have been hurt by a loved one, whether you have seen death this past month, do you have the peace to know my God won? Jesus Christ is alive. Come what may, I will endure. Come what may, truth will be revealed. Come what may, glory is coming. I do not fear, nor will I stand in anxious anxiety. I will come before my Lord and I will face this world, held, head held high, foot planted on the ground, walking with the courage and the bravery of the truth that Jesus Christ has won. Let's pray. Lord, I pray over my brothers and over my sisters. Lord God, this year. Father, I pray that we will not go through another year where we are dancing or meandering with our sins, but Lord Father, we are dealing with them. Dealing with the very things that are hurting us, the very things that are binding us for the negative. I pray, O oh God, that we will go to war with these things. I pray, O oh Lord, that we will be faithful to the means of grace, that we would seek your word, that we would seek your face, that we would ask that we would have your favor this year. And I pray, O oh Lord, that your peace would transcend upon this congregation, a peace that reminds them now and forever, do not worry. Tomorrow will come. When I will be revealed, all truth will be made known. And you will stand with me in glory. So suffer a little now. So that you may see the glory to come. I pray, oh God, that will be our hearts peace. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.